Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Uncensored CMO. In this episode, I'm joined by the most returned guest ever. Yes, that's right. It's Orlando Wood, Chief Innovation Officer at System One and author of not one, but two IPA best-selling books, Lemon and Look Out. If you haven't read them, go and order them. They are genuinely fantastic. Um, I want to catch up with Orlando because he's been a very busy guy. He's up to a lot of things at the moment. He's got his eye on a course. He's preparing some new research for F work later in the year. And we also wanted to just chat about ads because that's fun. And there's been a quite a few ads recently that we got an opinion about and we thought we'd deconstruct them and find out why they work. So this is a great episode. A lot of fun catching up with my old mate, Orlando. Here it is. I have got a returning guest. In fact, I've got the most returned guest of guests joining me in this episode, Mr. Orlando Wood. Hello, John. Good to be back. Where's the merch, by the way? I, I know, I know, I know. We were chatting about this before. Weren't we? I need to do better on the merch front, don't yeah. I? So um, this, this is this is one of my objectives, I think, in the next but quarter. But you are in a studio. It's first, my well, first time in the studio. In a studio. Before. I know, no. I know. It's exactly. Exciting. What do you think? It's, oh, well, it's, you're it's, on the up. It's grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it is so that, it's so that we can look at you rather than the background. You yeah. see, that's 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 the whole yeah, idea. Yeah. Now, for those that don't know you, which is probably about two people listening, because you know anyone who's listened to a few episodes will have will have picked you up. Yeah. Um, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? And why are you here? Oh, yeah. We'll why, start with I'm, a few easy questions. Uh, I'm Orlando Orlando Wood, and I have uh, written a couple of books on advertising effectiveness, on the creative itself, and what kind of creative. Um, works, you know, generates market share gain, profit gain, sales gain. And I've worked with the IPA and the IPA's effectiveness database. I've worked with Peter Field, Karen Nelson Field. I work at System One. I'm the chief innovation officer there and I am an honorary fellow of the IPA. So um, I guess um, my job is to look at what makes for great advertising. Oh, fantastic. You'll also be pleased to know, uh, I did ask ChatGPT, who is Orlando Wood? <laughs> That's right. And you got a fairly good write-up, I have to say. Did I? Well, was it, it was referred to me, was it? It referred to you. And apparently you've demonstrated the power of emotion to make advertising that works. Gosh. Well, I thought it was pretty good. Knowing. Yeah. I did try John Evans about 15 times. And I just got this statement. So as of September 2021, <laughs> the algorithm does not pick up any reference to John Evans. You're kidding. So anyway, no, apparently You're not. You're kidding. Or the uncensored CMO. You're no. kidding. No, no, exactly. I, I did try many prompts. Anyway, wow. there we wow. go. So what I do in my spare I'm time. I'm very surprised by that. <laughs> so listen, um, we, we caught up last time in Cannes, but what have you been up to recently? Well, at the moment I'm preparing for uh, some new research uh, to be revealed at the IPA's FWorks conference in October. Uh, looking at uh, digital platforms and formats and how to create mental availability in those, you know, using those channels and platforms. So that's going to be quite an interesting one to look out for. And I've also been, well, thinking about preparing uh, a new creative effectiveness course, which I'm uh, working on at the moment, which I'm very excited about. And it should, uh, you know, a series of films for marketing teams who are interested in getting the most, squeezing the most out of their advertising. Very good. Well, listen, I'd love to come back to that um, yeah. because that sounds fascinating and congratulations on uh, on setting that up. Um, but first, let's talk about, it, it is 2023 the year Orlando went digital? Because I, 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 I've I pretty much only heard you talk about digital over the last few months. Uh, yeah, no, well, I've, you know, I've talked a lot about television advertising 
But, you know, I suppose, I think that's a bit, that's slightly harsh, John. I mean, I have, in my, in my book, Look Out, you know, I did talk about how to generate, you know, market share gain and, and these big, lasting, broad and lasting effects using online video. But, you know, that, that, that you know, we've long known, you know, the difference that, between a TV ad, a print ad and a poster and, and how to, I suppose, create good work in those sorts of channels. But it just seems to me that in the last 15 years or so, there's been a proliferation of new formats and platforms. And we're still trying to get to grips with, you know, how we create brand building work on those channels. You know, what's the stage for our brand building show? Mm. And also, what does the show look like on those different stages? You know, um, well, exactly. So- uh, well, I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because like we we have been quite binary about it, haven't we? we we've you know, TV is brand building medium, and digital is activation where people yeah. go to buy. And that's typically, and, and how of course, it has that's been used. That's how past, it's been yeah. used, and, and we've fallen into trap of only believing that either only does that one yeah. thing. But actually, of course, they do elements of both to varying degrees. So what does the research tell you about the ability of, let's say, digital channels to build brands? Well, they they can, and they do it in the way that, you know, you you might use TV in a sense, in the sense that, you know, if you can create an emotional response, you can create mental availability. There's this link between advertising that makes people feel something and its ability to lodge in memory and to create mental availability which of course leads to you know growth and that's that 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 link you see not just on in tv but you see it in other channels too i've you know done work with meta to show that we've done work recently with pinterest to show that so we're, we're looking at you know how this principle holds but the other thing it's worth talking about is the, the scale of the effect you know the the degree to which you can expect to see those those improvements. And that's where I suppose the work I've been doing with Karen Nelson Field, Rob Britton, Peter Field comes in, looking at the, you know, the the I suppose isolating the effect of the attention that media gets, as well as the the creative strength. And that really you you to get the biggest bang for your buck, you need high attention media together with highly emotive advertising and you need to be investing in you know your advertising above your size if you can you know that extra share of voice so that was one of the things i was talking about well, I, I think that's one of the most important i mean we're all very familiar with ex- excess share of voice and how that drives market share mm. but if you're not putting very good creative uh, or not using very good creative for that share of voice then it then it, you know it's going to be wasted equally if you've got really good creative you can take that excess share of voice can do more for you than, course, than it would yeah. otherwise do. And, that, that, and that's what I was, we were saying at can, you know, we were looking at, um, you know, you've got, if you, if you look at campaigns, which have poor emotive strength, low attention media and negative extra share of voice, you're not going to achieve very much. If you improve your creative, that will get you a bit further in terms of the effects that you see. But still, if you're using low attention media and not investing enough you're not going to be really where you want to be. What what you really want, of course, ideally, is the triple opportunity we were talking about, which was emotive advertising, high attention media, and positive extra share of voice. Yeah, so very much medium and message being 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 both important. Um, and, and before we move on, if you can, what are the ways in which advertisers can achieve an effective message? 
So how, how, how what, what would you advise yeah. advertisers to do to achieve that? Because I think a lot of people listening might have grown up in a, in, a, in the kind of social media world where, you know, things are very quick and fast paced and cut down and, and so on. But how, how do you create well, the right. kind of work that captures attention? You know, what you, well, what, what I try and do in my books and in my work is look at uh, the style, how different styles of advertising create different types of effect and different scales of effect. So an ad which, you know, we, we might recognize as being a performance ad, which is quite rhythmic, quite mechanistic, words on the screen, no sense of live time, just short, sharp cuts, probably quite self-conscious in the way that it looks and feels. You know, that's, that's, that's going to work most likely on those people who are already primed to like the brand or who are in the buying decision mode in that window. It's not going to work because it's largely very uninteresting if you're not either of those things on a broader population. So what what you need to create growth over a longer period and lasting growth is advertising that assumes no inherent interest in the brand or product, but creates interest in the brand or product, lodges it in the memory. And that's achieved, as I've shown, through advertising that uh, involves the living, people, movement, a sense of lived time, uh, dialogue, betweenness. So like us here now, you know, people talking to each other, character incident and place, as I describe, music, those sorts of things create an emotional response. They also capture and hold our attention better than that sort of mechanistic advertising. And they're going to lodge your brand in memory better. Uh, and, and it all, you know, my research was inspired by the brilliant work of a scientist, Ian McGilchrist, who talks about yeah. the two halves of the brain and the different types of attention associated with it. I do want which, to talk about this because yeah. um, I've actually been listening to his audio. Book, oh, so great, we'll, yeah. we'll get into this. Uh, but just before we do, uh, you even came up with a new tagline to describe what you're talking about. Can you, can you tell us what that was? The, uh, the, the, which, what do you mean? Which tagline? Moto oh, Iazione. Yeah. Which tagline? Orlando, this was, this was the pinnacle yeah. of your canto. No, well, it was. Sorry. Let me remind yes. you. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for the, uh, <laughs> the prompt. Um, moto Iazione. Si. So Moto Iazione is something I talked about at Cannes, and it refers to the, the actually something that 17th century Italian artists and sculptors talked about, which was the... Uh, the way in which, I mean, it comes, it means moto as in to move, movere, and azione is action. So it's the, it's the sort of emotion expressed through the body and face at an emotional turning point in the action. And if you look at art from that period, you see that, that it's like stills from a film, you know, the most emotive moment, you know, the boy being bitten by a lizard, <gasps> you know, that sort of thing. And Actually, it's, it's, it tells us a lot about what works in advertising and a, a certain kind of advertising, you know, brand building advertising that lodges in the memory, creates both present and future earnings, by the way, is the sort of advertising that involves people connecting movement and that, that sense of a turning point, you know, our hero's luck is changing, perhaps. And that, that sense of suspense action and resolution is you know something that that ad agencies particularly 
in the 70s and 80s here in the UK, I think really intuitively understood. And I talk about CDP in particular, Colin Dickinson Pierce, who were masters uh, at this. Uh, if you think about some of the ads that they made, like Heineken refreshes the parts. Well, that was uh, pursued later on by, uh, uh, you know, the, the offshoot, Howard Low Spink. Low Howard Spink. And then also, you know, you've got... The Hamlet cigars with the the, the the sort of change in the face and expressions and then the sort of happiness is a cigar called Hamlet. So so that movement in the face and body is really important for holding attention. Now, you mentioned Ian McGilchrist. And as I was saying to you, uh, actually, in fact, I remember pretty much after we first met, you suddenly came over with this enormous book and just said... He's written another now. This, this, this changes everything. I, yeah. I remember you were deeply struck, weren't you, yeah. by yeah. mastering his emissary yeah. and how profound it was. Yeah. And what you've done, I think, uniquely is applied that body of work to advertising. Mm. And I, mean, I say, you know, me as someone who's kind of consuming it from you, it really does change how you see advertising. It's, it's almost well, like... And the world. Look, look, and the people. And the it? world, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's almost like looking under the bonnet and going, oh, right, that's mm. how this works mm. then kind of thing. And I say, I, I'm just listening to the audio version of it now, and it's just fascinating. And, and, and it, it, you know, I, I mean, people probably say this too much, but it does change how you see the world. You know, it re really does. So for anyone that's, which I imagine most people haven't read yet the full books, it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite um, you know, prolific. Yes. Can you describe um, what Ian McGilchrist has done through his research and why that book in particular and his work is so profound when it comes to yes. advertising. Yes, uh, and it's, you know, I mean, do read it yourselves uh, because it, it, you know, it's difficult to do it just... Well, I'll tell, tell you what, like... Uh, uh, no, no, no worry about it. If you listen to the audiobook, right, it's two hours of introductions, caveats, context, background before you get into the book itself, right? But even those two hours are really interesting because he, he basically talks about what you can and can't con conclude and that, you know, if, you know, for a scientist that's so precise, the amount that he says is still yet unknown or you have to take this in context or, you know, it's not as absolute as you get told. But, you know, one of, the, of course, one of the things he starts off with is the popular myth that the left and right brain do different things, which yeah. has been debunked a long time ago. But what I found fascinating is he talks about how that's actually held back the whole research he, he of the brain because people have gone well yeah. we're not going to talk, not going to look at hemisphere and how it works because of this that's right but actually he's discovered it's not that they do different things they do things in different ways they do and, things differently you know, different yeah. takes on the world different yeah. priorities and different modes of attention uh, which should be of interest to anyone in working in advertising and he talks about i mean the two hemispheres first of all are, are, are quite quite different in the way that they're put together if you like the left hemisphere prioritizes information within transmission within local localized brain region, whereas the you know the right hemisphere has got more branching, more overlap. Uh, it's bigger and heavier than the left hemisphere. It's got more myelin. That's the white matter that helps to speed transition. So it's more associative in the way that it it passes things around. You know, and he talks about this not just in people but in other animals, in birds. And how these two hemispheres, you know, they're quite separate. They're, they're bridged in the middle, but they're, they're really quite separate things. And the, the left hemisphere likes to, uh, it has this sort of narrow beam attention, which, which looks very close up at things and likes to abstract things from its context, break things down to smaller parts. So if you think of a bird pecking around on the ground, you know, 
it's the left hemisphere controlling the right eye that takes the takes the worm or the grub from its context and identifies it, categorizes it. Oh, it's one of those, you know, uh, it's okay to eat. That's what the left hemisphere likes doing, and same in people. Now, the right hemisphere is is all the while using the left eye to look around it and make sure that it's vigilant for things that might be a threat or there might be a mate out there, you know. So it's largely looking around for social context and trying to understand, you know, make sure it doesn't become someone else's lunch probably. So that, so that sort of holds in people too, but it goes Ian's work, you know, goes into much greater depth than that. And he talks about the left hemisphere being, um, and this is quite interesting, uh, it's it's it rely it's more susceptible or relies more on dopamine, the, the hormone which is all about seeking and reward, and that sort of goal orientation. Whereas the right hemisphere is more susceptible to noradrenaline, which is the hormone that's all about vigilance and broad awareness, but also the formation and retrieval of memories. So you've got these quite different brain habits just just right there, you know. So the left hemisphere is very goal-orientated. It likes to break things down to smaller parts. It likes to categorize. It can't really understand live time, only snapshots, if you like. It likes things to be fixed, repeatable, unchanging, uh, so that it can control and manipulate them. And it also can't really understand music, only very basic rhythm, likes tools with which to manipulate the world. And it, it, you know, language is one of these signs, symbols. These are all things of the left hemisphere. But the right hemisphere all the while, which presents the world to us and offers up, you know, sort of prioritizes things for the left hemisphere to, to look at, has this broad beam attention that's open to social context, to the living to things that are happening just slightly off stage, you know, just sort of the edge of our awareness, if you like. And it's uh, interested in people, intonation, expression, more intimately involved in expression and understanding of emotion through the body. So it understands body language and, you know, the context of any given room. And it's really understanding of things on two levels as well, metaphor and humour, tells the difference between a joke and a lie the left hemisphere can't do that very well and 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 uh, things to do with live time space and depth and music uh, to, you know, all to do with the right hemisphere so if you kind of start to understand these things and the habits of uh, of thinking of the two hemispheres and you think about the two types of advertising i was describing not long ago actually the two hemispheres map quite neatly onto these two styles of advertising that have developed over time. One that's broad beam and broad reach that's that, you know, how do we attract the attention of people who are maybe not in the buying mode right now, but lodge it in memory? Well, through right brain kind of work and that's people dialogue, all those things. If you're in the buying mode and the left hemisphere is also more intrinsically involved in sort of choice then it's the left hemisphere sort of advertising, performance advertising that will nudge you towards a purchase at the right time, you know, assuming you've been primed to like the brand and you're in the buying moment. So so those two 
understanding those the way those two hemispheres work and the type of attention associated gives us a really good starting point for understanding how advertising itself works, how to get the most it out really of it. It really does. And you talked about going back to the 70s and 80s and some of the famous work there. What I noticed was interesting is, is how he talks about how much we use different parts of the brain reflects them, you know, what we rely on. So he was kind of saying, if, you know, if you use... Because I think he was also saying that the left and right are both used all the time, but but in in different kind of percentages or whatever sort of yeah. thing. So, and he was saying if you know use one to one hundred percent, the left to one hundred percent, and the right to say ninety percent, it's not that you're going to get roughly that ratio. What happens is you over time you'll become dominant in in a particular yeah, it, way of thinking. It, stre- it sort of strengthens the yeah. The it becomes synaptic. like a muscle, doesn't it? Because, yeah. because the you know I guess brains are lazy and therefore we do what's easiest for us. So you do see different modes becoming more dominant. And, and also I think, hence the name of his book, actually the left brain tries to control the right brain and it dictates does, the right brain, the ma- hence the master yeah. of his emissary as, yeah. a, as an analogy sort of thing. So in your research, have you seen a trend with left and right brain well, advertising over time? Uh, in both my books, Lemon and Look Out, I look at that trend and, you know, looking at uh, a snapshot of advertising going back 30 years, you can see this quite marked shift towards the left brain, you know, left brain advertising, this narrow beam advertising from about 2006 onwards. And it's sort of been getting largely, you know, more pronounced over the last 15 years or so. And that that ties in with, you know, what other people, Peter Field in particular, have shown about the, the loss of long-term efficiency or, or effectiveness in that same period. Yeah. So, so you know, you get this this shift towards just very direct and narrow beam and, and attention advertising that doesn't work as well if it doesn't isn't accompanied by that broad beam brand building advertising. How much of it do you think is driven by the platforms themselves? Because, I mean, you know, you're referencing back to 2006. The obvious correlation to draw is that, you know, that that was really the start of, you know, social media becoming, you know, you know, mobile devices becoming more sophisticated and and social media becoming, uh, you know, serious kind of uh, media. How much of it is that versus kind of general trends that we might see? Or is it impossible to kind of, you know, you can't totally pull them apart. But, you know, in the books, I talk about this shift, because which I think, by the way, you see not just in advertising, but in culture more broadly, this left brain dominance you know in uh in programming in film in you know when you get left brain dominance it's not a particularly happy time generally speaking because i think you can trace it as i do and as ian does in other periods in history and in the art of other periods it, it it's to do with i sus- i strongly believe digitization and and getting to grips with this new digital world you know the left brain likes tools and you know we're we're using the left brain increasingly all of us to to work with these tools and then so as you say you know habits of thinking start to form which are better suited to the left hemisphere and you know you get this sort of shift and there's a cultural shift that's happened a very much for anyone who's you know over 40 will have realized and seen this cultural shift happening very rapidly actually in the last 20 years you know that leads to less humorous films being made and advertising by the way uh, and a very marked change in style 
and, and even just just the way people talk and the, and the literalness and the directness uh, that you might see more yeah. today. So so yeah, you get this shift, and that's um, it's probably I suspect strongly down to uh, digital transformation yeah makes makes no sense now something you talked about earlier is is how the left and right brains regulate our attention and they have different types of attention as well and again creative can have a big difference can't it in terms of how much attention is created through i guess there's the creative the attention that's created through the platform which karen nelson field does a brilliant job of of revealing which is is quite profound but the creative itself actually there's a huge difference isn't there or elasticity in the amount of attention that it might create and you get so what Karen and I both seen, I think, and, and, you know, talked about together is that, you know, if you've got two, let's call it a left and a right brain ad or, or uh, you know, and you put them both on the same low attention platform, there won't be that much difference in how much attention is afforded, you know, to, to them. But if you put them on a high attention platform, the right brain ad will get much more attention than the left brain ad the higher the inherent attention paid to uh, you know a, a, a channel or a, a medium the more likely your creative is going to work it, your right brain creative is going to work uh, so that that you get that uh, you know boost with a with a higher attention plan i think you've proven as well that it improves uh, recall as well of the brand after Yes, so well. so I so mean, get- just simply the, the you know the the amount of attention that's paid to to the medium itself can extend or improve mental availability. There's that link between the two that Karen points to, but when you layer in the creative as well, you know, then that you need. And what I mean, what kind of difference are you talking about here? Like two or three percent, or two or three times it? I mean, what what's the what? How big is that? Yeah, I mean, it, the the, the, the research, recent research we looked at you know, suggested that on those high attention platforms, a highly emotive ad is going to, you know, give you 10, 20% more attention time, if you like, much less so on the the low attention platforms. But, you know, emotion has a much greater role than simply just extending the attention paid to your advertising because it helps to put it in memory and it helps to lodge it in memory and to create that mental availability that we, we open by talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, really. I mean, you know, we're all familiar with the ESOV idea, but the, the impact of your media choice and yeah. then the impact of your crazy choice has a dramatic impact on that. So, I mean, either you can take the same investment and achieve much more actual share of voice um, or, or with a smaller budget, you can achieve the same. Um, it's quite profound. Has quite profound it, impacts on. It does. It does, and you know, that's one of the things we looked at at our recent study using ACA effectiveness data. And uh, and by the way, we're we're doing a repeat uh, in a few weeks' time for anyone who didn't catch us at Cannes. Uh, so um, uh, very good. So, in fact, there's a, your talk was incredibly popular and got some amazing feedback. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, for anyone that wants it, yeah. to tune in, do do you have a date for that? Twenty eighth is what we're looking at uh, for twenty eighth of September. So uh, keep. I will, keep, I will post out details. Yeah, so yeah. keep you posted, fantastic, as they say. Um, one, of the, one of the surprising things, actually, I, I, I spotted at Cannes was I think there's some evidence that humour might be making a comeback. Uh-huh. What do you think? Uh, uh, have but, we, have uh, we it, passed peak purpose? Peak yet? purpose. Well, it may be too, Are we there yet? It, so may, no. it may be too early to put the, uh, put the bunting out. But yes. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, that was great, wasn't it? That the, the Grand, One of the Grand Prix winners was, was that Apple yeah. spot. 
uh, which for anyone who hasn't seen it, it was sort of the the, the lizard that you think is dead and uh, the guy who's looking after it for his presumably friend. You know, it's quite a lot of good storytelling within a short amount of time, actually. Uh, you know, uh, is about to send, sends a message about, the, I'm sorry, you know. Leon's just Leon's died. died. <laughs> uh, and then suddenly Leon flips back and is in, is alive, you know, and uh, he can delete the delete the delete the message before anyone sees it and any harm is done. But I think quite quite neat, uh, you know, way of doing. Um, and this is something that Jeremy Bullmore used to say: is that you know, if you're using humour, then it has to be bound up with the product. You know, it's not a it's not a separate th- it's not a separate thing. Those two things have to go hand in hand. And it it demonstrates the virtue of the product. I mean, it does it very neatly, you know. So it's a humorous spot. It's con- conveying something about the product in a very short amount of time. And it looks quite different from a lot of the work that you know, we've seen awarded, yeah. you know, in recent yeah. years. So I, I take that as, you know, hopefully significance Good precedes time. momentum. You know, yeah. we'll, 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 maybe we'll, we'll see more. Along those lines, because humour is a very effective creative approach, and and as you, I think you've documented in your book, the, the humour has been declining in terms of it being used in creatively award-winning mm. campaigns, and mm. purpose has been been on the up. Yes, it has. But this year, interestingly, I think when we did the system one evaluation, we found a big drop in the number of cam- winning campaigns that use purpose as a communication idea. In other words, where purpose is in, in, intrinsic to the product. Um, there were just as many of those, which is great, of course, you know, because you want to you want purpose, purposeful work to succeed. But where purpose was being used as a creative idea, actually, there's a big drop in that, and yeah. more more yeah. examples of humour, yeah, which yeah. is good. Although yeah. I do contend, actually, I think humour could be a very good way of delivering purpose. Well, I it, think it could be, you know, I, mean, I think it, underutilized. It, tend, it tends to lead to quite worthy and yeah. and you know, uh, unhumorous, overly work. serious, you know. Um, but yeah, I think brands have um, Maltesers. I think have done I love it, that done campaign. A, yeah, a really nice job yeah. on that. Yeah, no. So if anyone doesn't know that one, that's the um, disabled girl that's that's chatting to her friends about her love life. It, it's very, yes. very, yes. very funny. Yeah. But the genius thing about that, and the reason I love it so much, is she's telling the joke. Yes. Right. And yeah. she's she's got the kind of power yes. of the situation, hasn't she? And, yeah. and you kind of feel like you feel lots of empathy for her. Yeah. You feel you you know you very much feel her experience. But, you know, it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it makes, but help, it helps you enter into her kind of experience. Well, that's right. You know, and that's, that's what humour does. It what, makes you kind of relate. What humour does. Breaks I a think barrier down. I think, again, Jeremy Bullmore said this, was that it creates a mood of acceptance. G.K. Chesterton, wonderful quote, humour can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. And that's, that's exactly, Brilliant. exactly Brilliant. right. I love, that's a very good yeah. quote. Very good quote. It, it does, and you've got another phrase similar to that, which I also like: is "What's too uh, silly to be said can, can be sung." Can be sung yes. Which I, think, yeah, I, I love yeah, that is yeah. another good example yeah. of using music to. Well, that's right, or using and actually, song. music and humour are, are, in some ways conceptually similar. They're, they're both about life. You know, humour is often about inversion, transposing something to a different key, uh, repetition. These are all concepts you get in music as well. You know that that. Almost difficult to articulate, but that we kind of intuitively through the right hemisphere understand, but difficult to put into words. But we know it when we see it type thing. Now, I wanted to quickly ask about one of my favorite contributions of yours to, to kind of this whole this whole world is Fluent Devices. I think if, if I was to start out on a new brand tomorrow, 
and, you know, create a new campaign, I think the very, very first thing I'd do would be thinking about inventing a fluent device yeah. for my brand. Um, the evidence is so strong, but, but, you know, can you explain what a fluent device is and what the evidence, you know, what yeah. does, what does the data tell us about how effective it is? Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a term I, I, uh, coined, you know, some years ago now to describe a repeatedly used character through, you know, long running campaign. So think the M&M's characters or Geico, Gecko or uh, the, the the meerkats in Compare the Market, or a, a sort of human scenario that's repeated in, in different ways, like should have gone to Specsavers or Snickers, you know, you're not you when you're hungry, another good example. And, and those long-running devices are, are very good at uh, getting people, I suppose, just to, to know instantly what they're seeing, but also to help improve processing fluency which also helps to reduce price sensitivity by the way as well so that that is really effective over a long period and you more like to create campaigns that give re result in profit gain and share gain as a result and one of the things i often say is that you know there's been a lot of focus in recent years from the marketing sciences on shapes fonts colors logos and being consistent all important things, but these are things that don't live. They are signs and symbols for the left hemisphere. So if you're creating advertising where you're trying to capture and hold attention, where you're trying to put things in memory through emotional response, you know, it's, it's the living that you need to put at the heart of your assets, you know, create living assets, characters that, that move scenarios where people are, you know, doing something that's familiar, a social context for the right hemisphere to decode, understand and enjoy, you know, that's, that, that is, you know, an, an important way of producing profitable work. And that, that fluent device, as I show in, in Lemon, you know, has also been disappearing, you know, in, in recent years. But I think that too, you know, a bit like humor, I think People are alive to the possibility again and creating them where they where they can. Anecdotally, I hear this. And, and what a competitive advantage as well, because, you know, chances are your competitors are not doing that particularly well. Yeah. And, and, you, and you could be. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite examples in your book is, is Yorkshire tea. You know, oh, and you, yes. you know you've, you've yeah. got you've got the accent, you've got where things are done proper. Even the idea uh, is kind of fluid. exaggeration to Exag ex yeah. extreme lengths. You know, characters, the scene. You know, use of famous Yorkshire yes. people. You yes. Know, yes. Um, done incredibly well. Yes, absolutely. The late Michael. We should, of course, yes, yes acknowledge uh, Michael Parkinson. Park, Michael yeah. Parkinson. Yes, a, a brilliant uh, spot. Yeah. 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 So uh, no, absolutely. That that's a, a fantastic example. Uh, and also, you know, when you think of the, the Sean Bean example in particular, with the drawing of the sword, Morto Azione, right there, isn't it? That turning point, you know, what's happening in the, well, if I'm looking around, you know, awkwardly what's happening here. That's a great example of it. Brilliant example. Well, talking of advertising, um, you and I were, were just chatting, weren't we, about having a little uh, catch up on uh, yeah. the latest and greatest ads yeah. and, and uh, looking at them through your expert's eyes, given that, you know, you've literally written the book on it and uh, you've two. done a lot of re two. <laughs> yeah, you've written both books. In fact, <laughs> tell me what um, the endorsement you got for your book was. 
Which one? The, the, the look, at, look at which I, one, he says. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, no, I mean, it, it's so good that when you pick it oh, up... Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yes, no, no, that was that was my little joke. Was that oh, so your joke? Yeah, okay. no, my little joke was, was that, uh, you know, it was that actually someone uh, someone said this uh, at DDB in New York many years ago about their internal company manual, but they said uh, uh, it's the kind of book that uh, once you put it down, you just can't pick it back up again. Um, and so uh, it, it's it's not like that, by the way. It is quite an enjoyable read. I, I've been told. Uh, so um, I can I can yeah. confirm. Now, now, if anyone watching on YouTube, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, here, here, here oh, is here there is, it is. Yes. lookouts here. Uh, maybe I should go this way around to show you just how thick it is. There's plenty it, it, we're almost we're almost talking telephone directory. Depends on which postcode you're in, of course. Yes. But you know, yeah. kind of think think telephone directory, yeah. but the most beautifully presented and produced book. And, and well, I think you managed or, or, to use up Europe's supply of, 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 of uh, pearlescent, pearlescent paper. Yeah. paper and and, and all, all credit to the IPA and the designer um, uh, to who, who, who did it. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice piece. So I was thinking, okay, for our section on advertising and the best ads of the last uh, few weeks, it, we wouldn't be a, you know, we wouldn't be fluent if we didn't have a jingle or some music to intro it. You ah, see. So yes. um, now I've, I've used obviously a slight rip off of the Sex yep. Pistols to introduce uh, the podcast. Yeah. Yep. This is your section. Yeah. Um, as we're going to be talking about adverts that you think are good. Yeah. Um, what would be your soundtrack? Oh, I think we'd go for something very silly like Boccherini's uh, string quartet. Uh, I knew you'd say something like that. In the, in the, yeah. yeah. In I the do Lady Sex Killers. Pistols. You yeah. do what? Yeah. 17th well, century you know, classical your, musician. Play to yes. your characters. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> right. We'll have to dub that in when we yeah, do the when yeah. we do the recording. Personality is very important. I mean, in fact, um, Bill Birnbach said something similar. He said, but you know, personality, you know, without personality, you know, a brand, a person or a or a product for that matter, you know, won't succeed. So lean in. Lean to in your indeed. Sex pistols, okay, John. well, right. Okay. Well we'll we'll edit that into <laughs> this part of the conversation. So what uh, tell me an exa- an advert you've seen recently that has impressed you. Well, we've talked about a few already, um, but there's an advert for Twix, which is quite nice at the moment. And it's uh, two guys uh, dressed identically in the forest, sitting on a log, you know, cracking open the Twix, describing how they, they like, you know, left or right, doesn't really matter. They're both they're both great, you know. And then and then you sort of step back and you see two bears behind, you know, bear costumes. I mean, wonderfully silly. And they're talking about, you know, well, it doesn't matter whether it's left or right, referring to the two guys sitting on the on the log. They both they both taste as good, you know, and that the bears talk about how they love the crunch, you know. And so I think it's quite nice. It's sort of got that visual repetition and that French might call mise en abîme, you know, it's sort of like a hall of mirrors, you know, reflecting into the into the distance. And again, that how repetition leads to humour. And there's repetition within the ad too, because they the bears repeat basically what the guys are saying. But it all all demonstrates the Twixes, you know. It talks about the Twix. Yeah. Twix is very clear that it's about Twix, and talks about you know what, what the, I guess the magic in the product. And slightly ironically, it also does your left and right brain because the two <laughs> guys like are focused in on the Twix. <laughs> yeah, it's this narrow beam. The narrow beam. Narrow the beams beam. on the Twix. Yeah. Broad beam. There's well, two that, bears that's often, that's often a very uh, very productive. Uh, line of humor it's this sort this sort of looking at things up close um you know and not being aware of what's going on around uh you know mr magoo for instance will be a similar way or the spec savers campaign you know it's sort of i'm sort of too focused on this to really see the bigger picture yeah often a a rich seam of humor Mm. now i i thought for my pick uh 
I'm going to pick a McDonald's ad. Okay. Uh, this is Wyden Kennedy um, yeah. from the US. And they've partnered with Disney to pick out all the iconic oh, yes. scenes from many films yeah. where McDonald's is shown. What struck me about it was just how many, well, back to your mm. fluent your fluent mm. devices point is, I mean, you know, you've got obviously Arches in there, but you've got Big Macs and mm. Vileo Fish, mm. and you've got McFlurries and McNuggets. Mm. I mean, you suddenly realise quite how many reference points there are to having a McDonald's. And yeah. there's, there's humour in there. There's a lovely twist at the end. Yeah. There's, there's kind of a beautiful classical soundtrack kind of mm. playing throughout. But what I thought was amazing about the System 1 test on it is, is I mean, you, you'll know this better than me, how rare it is for 100% of the audience to be able to recognize you from the beginning. Oh, it, and this, yeah, this it, it, smashed yeah. it. I mean, absolutely smashed it. So everybody knew it was McDonald's. And it was, it, so not only was emotion high throughout, but also everyone was, well, it, it knew exactly. Yeah. Was being I mean, it's a it's a brand that has embedded itself in in culture, isn't it? Yeah. So it's become part of culture. So it's in so many films, you know. That, and not not only that, but the as you say, the the products are referenced in those films as well. The product names are referenced, the McFlurry and or whatever else. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a nice it's a nice spot. Yeah, brilliant example. And um, I, I thought I'd add a a, a sneaky. Third one in for our, for our oh, chat as well, only because it gives me a chance to get on my high horse about something. But um, our friends at Sky recently made, in fact, last week made Turkey of the Week. Um, they, they had a lovely Turkey of the Week as Turkey uh, according week. to campaign. campaign. Sorry, camp, campaign Turkey yes, of the Week. Campaign. Now, yeah. uh, listeners and viewers may remember a couple of years ago, uh, they, they dropped it about three years ago, didn't they? There was quite a concerted pushback and they've recently brought it back. And um, what was interesting, I of course, I... Because of client confidentiality. Confidentiality, yeah. Can't even yeah. say that. Yeah. NDA is all that kind of thing. I can't say whether or not we work with Sky. No. And I can't say whether this was the best test that they've achieved no. in that particular category. And I no. also can't say whether can't. it led to record audiences, no. the biggest record audience no. ever watching no. Sky Sports. I can't whatever say you do, any of don't that. Say, well, so don't whatever say I do, that. I cannot say that. I can't confirm or deny. No. So let's put that to one side. But it was a genuinely really good ad. And I think that the, the point I wanted to kind of put to you was, you know, this is, this shows the importance of remembering you are not the audience, right? Because, uh, you know, our great friends at Campaign who, you know, very smart people, they know and love the industry, write about it all the time. They can look at an ad and go, yeah, it's not very good. When in fact, the public for whom it's designed mm. think it's great. Mm. You know, it had, you know, talk about cultural references. Yeah, the greatest showman was the kind of creative concept. Yes. Yes. They were very well known. So Idris Elba was the yes. kind of character throughout. Lots of dancing, lots of interaction, all the kind of stuff you talk, movement. No, of course. You had music, you had kind of knowing glances, you know, it, it had it all really. And it brilliantly demonstrated what Sky Sports is all about, which is, a diversity and celebration of every kind of different sport and sportsmen, sportswomen, all you know, all succeeding yeah. at the various things. I thought yeah. it was fantastic, yeah. but it does reveal something well, about our industry, it, which is it does. we're not very good at, recogni at recognizing advertising that actually works. No, no, it's it's you know what uh, this disconnect that others have have written about between the advertising industry some, and certainly commentators in in the industry and and the general public uh so helpful perhaps to test or at least well, to research uh this is you know, sort of why we're in business exactly actually isn't it, it? it we, I, yes maybe I we should be thanking campaign because yeah. it's like dear campaign thank well, you for it, keeping us in business you know, it helps to triangulate with the yes. people who are going to watch it you know doesn't it, it does indeed. talking to 
Yeah. It does indeed. So I wanted to wrap up by um, asking about your course. Uh, so mm. you, you hinted at it at the beginning. Uh, yeah. you, you've got some grand plans in the making. I have. We I talked have. about McGilchrist. Yes. And, and well, I he, he, features, I he, he will. Uh, he kindly uh, had a chat uh, with me. And uh, so that's all going to be part of the course. And uh, it's going to be a series of films. And I'm quite, yes, very excited about it. Uh, and it's... Uh, you know, uh, in 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 the works, as it were, and uh, there's a. If you're interested in knowing more, or at least pre-registering, you can go to OrlandoOnAdvertising.com, uh, and there's a there's a that's a that's not the title of the course, but that's it's the website. And if you go to that, uh, you'll be able to pre-register, and you'll be among the first to know, you know, when it all goes live. So uh, do great. Uh, and, ju- and just for context, what, why why create the course in the first place? And secondly, what will people expect to gain from yeah. doing the course with you? So it's uh, uh, it's really made for marketing teams, marketing teams who want to know how to get the most out of their creative and the space that they they buy really. And it's uh, going to look at many of the things in the books, but other things too. It goes much further than that. We talk about uh, creating advertising in a digital age. We're going to look at uh, the brain and underpin it every, with the brain. We're going to talk about lessons uh, that I think we've forgotten in some ways about how to stand out. So there's going to be quite – I can't give too much away, but you know, there's, there's a lot um, – in there, which I think you might enjoy and find useful. And I think it's, you know, uh, it, when it comes out, uh, I look forward to hearing feedback. From well, it. I mean, you know, we- uh, I know I always, I always have to caveat when I say this, like I know I'm paid to say this, but genuinely, genuinely, your book, Look How and Lemon before it is, is a masterclass at uncovering well, why thanks, thanks. how am I advertising works. Yeah. But what you've done is you, you've explained the kind of how, the, in the mechanics of how, mm. as well as the reasons, you know, um, you've, you've brought the how it works. It's, it makes it's, it. It takes what is quite profound, you know, like you know the history of art and neuroscience, all those sort of things. But it very practically breaks it down into the tools that and you know you can apply yourself exactly. to make advertising more effective. Uh, and so that's what the, the course, course will be a you know practical guide, uh, a series of films, each of which will have you know several important principles. And it, it's got to be about principles rather than technique as it were it's yeah. sort of you know what the general things that you need to remember or, or at least not forget um rather than a kind of code that, that you you need and and opportunity also for you to i suppose work at it yourself so uh yeah so sounds very exciting orlando and that's the website uh that you can pre-register on yeah yeah and that's not the name of the course we'll go check it out there you yeah. go and the name of the course will be revealed at some all, point all in the future all, all, all to be revealed yeah. brilliant orlando thank you so much as ever fascinating conversation Absolute really pleasure. enjoyed it Thanks, and, uh, we should do this again we should we, we might even do it mm, let's <laughs> so do that coming to you soon Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Uncensored CMO. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to never miss an episode again, you know what to do. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, hit subscribe, or if you want to watch the episode, go over to my YouTube channel where you can find me at Uncensored CMO. And again, hit subscribe there. If you want to follow me, I'm over at LinkedIn, John Evans, or on Twitter at Uncensored CMO. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. See you next time.